Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 90 Day Fiancé WTF Podcast, a weekly hangout to talk about what the fuck we all just watch on TLC's 90 Day Fiancé. I am Nadia, and with me is my co-host, Lon. Hey, what's up, y'all? How's it going, Nadia? Ah, another week, another episode of 90 Day Fiancé The Other Way, and this time we get to meet Osama. The cat lover. Of the cat lover, yeah. Hello, cat lover. <laughs> both me and Lon have cats, so we love cats. I like him. I like him too. I don't think they're the best couple. I don't think they're going to be a great couple, but I think he's genuine. There's other people I can think of who they date older women from America, mm. and it just doesn't seem genuine. But, you know, I think he actually does, like like or a lover so he just seemed really genuine there's no ulterior motives here yeah he's just someone with a pure heart to me mm-hmm. and i wonder if we're gonna start seeing other layers of him but otherwise he's just you know your regular berber muslim skateboarder writer skateboarder right yeah. poet painter i really like his paintings yeah he's they're really paintings? good yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really good. His poetry is really good considering that English is not his first language. Yeah, I wrote it down. Did you <laughs> want to hear it? Yeah, please. This is it. the full poem, y'all. Okay. Debbie, you are a revelation, a full moon, a tree, and a rose. The sun gets jealous when you oh. walk beside me. I really like that part. Oh. But only your arms could make warm after a season of loneliness. But only your face could shine and give my heart of vitamins of love. <laughs> it's you who makes the view move. It's you, the woman I love. I was Aww, like, dang. Dude. For someone who's like English is learned. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say. Absolutely. I mean, I would, any woman would fall for that. Anyone would fall for that. That's really sweet. Yeah. I am curious to see how Debbie can survive in Morocco, given that he's out there. And I'm not sure if people know about Berber culture, but they're the oldest culture, uh, the oldest tribe in Morocco. And they're nomadic, so they tend to be like sheep or goat herders. They have a farm. Mm. They're farmers. They're nomadic farmers. And yeah, they lead a simple life. So I'm not sure if Debbie can adjust to that, right? Oh, Um, yeah. And interacting face-to-face and actually being together 
is very, very different. I can understand like how both of them are maybe very unique souls. And when words are all you have to communicate, fairly easy, right? Even people who are not a great match can say the right things on messenger or on text message and stuff. So communicating, the age difference kind of disappears. Like a lot of things disappear when it's just words that you're exchanging. Mm -hmm. But like you said, the lifestyle is very, very different, you know, and that's not even including their age difference, cultural differences. Like when you put them together, will that make for a successful couple? That remains to be seen. And I'm curious to see how that pans out. I do have to say Debbie looks a lot younger on her photos, or at least the ones that TLC shows. She looks different. I think they've met before. I think they alluded to the fact that they've met before. So hopefully he's not shocked. Mm. But yeah, like given the fact that he's, he said he loves his religion I guess he loves what he does. Again, like I know there are a lot of common interests between him and Debbie, but Debbie's going to be expecting some American comforts that he may not necessarily mm. be able to provide for her. And Will love what... be enough? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Will love conquer all? Right, right, right. Minus dishwasher. Minus, I don't know, <laughs> a traditional toilet. I don't know, but... <laughs> right. That's why I'm looking forward to seeing. What do you think of Debbie's and uh, her son's farewell airport send-off scenes? I mean, it was more of the same. We understand how how he feels, and I know he cares about his mom. So it, it was just more of the same, but a different approach. You know, rather than showing he cares about his mom by talking about how bad her decisions are and throwing hate at her boyfriend fiance whatever have you was more of i'm gonna miss you and who am i gonna come to when whenever i have problems and stuff it was a softer side yeah it was a softer side but it was still the concerned julian for me i liked seeing that i kind of wish i had that relationship with my mom Mm. i have a good relationship with my mom don't get me wrong Mm. but you know i don't have this my mom is like a best friend kind of relationship. And I know people have that. He painted it out that way, that this is his best friend. And he he goes over there when he's having problems and for someone to talk to and things. And seeing that scene was like, ah, I don't do that with my mom. I I just don't go to my mom's house and be like, hey, mom, I had a bad day. Like, let's hang out and let's talk and stuff like that. And I know other people do. And for me, uh, I liked seeing that. And again, just... Kind of more of the same. We know how much he cares about her, but it was a different approach. It was a softer side that we get to see. And it was it was a touching scene. Yeah. I have a feeling that she and Osama may eventually move to the U.S. To the U.S.? Yeah. I could see that happening. I mean, she didn't sell the house. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, there's a possibility that she makes a U-turn. Right. With or without him. I don't know. Shall we kind of like stick to the same region and uh, talk about Nicole and Mahmoud? What did you think about their scenes? Which part? (laughs) (laughs) Which scene are we talking about here? The part where she broke down when she was in the bathroom with a camera person, which is kind of weird. Mm. (laughs) Or... The scene where she insisted on crashing a male-only cafe 
or yeah. the scene where he <laughs> insisted on meeting his friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can start with her in the bathroom. Mm. Well, I think we talked about this last week where I said she comes across as someone who doesn't know what she wants. Mm. And I, I'm not surprised that she's homesick because she's starting to realize that, hey, this is one of the reasons why I left Egypt in the first place. And she's breaking down and she's realizing that she doesn't have that comfort that she's used to. And she's in a house where everyone shares the same bathroom. <laughs> Everyone's waiting on her. So, I mean, am I sorry? I am a little, but at the same time, I think it's becoming clear that she's doing this for the paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, someone on Reddit actually said that cast member uh, nowadays are getting $3,500 per episode. Oh. Which is a good chunk of change, I guess. Yeah, that would uh, incentivize me. Totally, <laughs> <sure>. right? <laughs> if she signed up for that, I would expect her to suck it up a little bit. But I guess we see that vulnerable side of her sort of letting go and actually admitting that, okay, this is why I moved away from Egypt in the first place. This is why I cannot see myself married to this guy in, in the first place. But hey, I'm doing it for the money. you know. Yeah. <laughs> for me, that scene was really powerful because it, it almost symbolizes her predicament mm. where it was kind of very suffocating, very claustrophobic. She's cleaning up, trying to fit in and trying to be the good wife or whatever and at least trying to like normalize what's happening with her and then she just breaks down and um, she says something for me which was really powerful I'm grieving the death of my old life which I love mm. and if those words ever came out of my mouth I would reevaluate my situation yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. because I think everyone has to love their life and if they don't love their life they need to improve their situation so that they fall back in love with it and if she's grieving the death of her old one, then what's she actually looking forward to? And I'm just like, oh, why did you get yourself into this position? And, you know, a lot of people like to poke fun at her and take the screenshots of her face. But to me, I actually feel bad because it's alarming to me. Like, mm -hmm. to me, it seems like a woman who's who's really distressed and who's really upset. And we see that so far in every episode. So for me, it's just, I was like, wow, like, that scene was her entire fucking story. Like she's very trapped, you know, kind of isolated, making the best out of what's happening there. And then just kind of breaking down and going, what am I fucking doing with my life? Like, yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. It seems like she's struggling to adapt, mm -hmm. but at the same time she chose this path. She right. signed up for it. And I think we both used the phrase, like you made your bed, you sleep on mm -hmm. it now. Yeah, I definitely feel for her when she broke down. But at the same time, too, I'm like, well, you can end this yeah. and cut your losses. A lot of people on the internet says that. Cut your losses. Just go home. <laughs> Enjoy but, that TLC money. Yeah. I oh, get it. If I did this because I was like, you know what? The money is good and, mm -hmm. and I'm going to fucking do it. Like, it's time to, <laughs> time to pull the pants up and just fucking keep moving. Yeah. If she sees it as a hustle, then I think yeah. she should definitely, I hate to use this word, like suck it up because she signed up to be on this season knowing that even after we know that her marriage has dissolved, 
yeah. or she wanted a divorce, but she kind of backpedaled. What did you think about the um? Was it a coffee house? What was that? Uh... Yeah. So when I was watching it with my husband, he was like, "Wow, that can be like how can there be this type of situation where she can't even go into a cafe?" But let me tell you. I've been to Morocco before. I know this is not Morocco. It's Egypt. It's the same North African continent-wise. Mm-hmm. It's like that. And I I was in that situation where when I was walking down the streets of Morocco and I saw cafes like this where I was so tempted to, to go in and, you know, just get tea or get coffee. And, you know, something like my gut was telling me, well, maybe it's not a good idea because I don't see any female in there. Mm. So like your gut instincts kind of like they're flagging you. They're like, look, this is not where you should be. Maybe right. find a place where you can find like at least a woman <laughs> in there. I feel like that's something as as men or me that I would have overlooked or that I would have completely it, taken for granted. I would yeah. have just been like, let's go in here, guys. What yeah. do you want? What do you want? What do you want? You know, yeah. and it wouldn't have really occurred to me unless I was stopped. Yeah. And somebody was like, oh, that friend over there? Yeah, she can't come in. You yeah. guys can. And then I would have realized. But if I was just hanging out with my brothers and we just walked in there, ordered some coffee and stuff, I would have overlooked that completely. I would have yeah. just been like living privileged and like, I'm a guy doing guy stuff. Like It, yeah. it wouldn't have been guy stuff. It wouldn't have even registered that it was guy stuff, that it was mm-hmm. men only stuff. Yeah. And, you know, before people get hypocritical about this, may I remind folks that even in first world country, like in the UK, there's gentlemen club where mm. no women are allowed. So don't come at us being like, oh, yeah, like Muslim countries, like they're so patriarchal. No, that exists everywhere. Right, right, where, right. Like even in the US, like you go to some pubs and you see only males. As a woman, your guard goes up and you're like, okay, this is not the place for me. Right. Because you're like, right. I don't see any female bartender. I don't see any, you know, any female. And patron. you'll know when they when they spin in their exactly. stools and look and go. Yeah. And the eyebrow is raised and you're like, oh, yep. sorry, I'm going to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Let me walk backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, you know, growing up watching Police Academy, like yeah, you know how Academy. Mahoney always sends, I guess, the antagonist to like the Blue Oyster Club. Yeah. <laughs> they open the door and it's like a, you know, LGBT, like, you know, it is a gay club, right? It's where all the men like cosplaying as, I guess, police or S&M character. But anyway, yeah. You know, is that kind of, kind of vibe? feeling like, yeah. oh, this is cool, but I'm obviously not the regular clientele here. Yeah. And I think when I was watching that scene, I was so annoyed because she insisted. And he was trying to explain to her, like, he was saying, like, my love, this is only for male. Mm. And she was like, oh, why can't we just sit here? Let's just go try. Yeah. And I'm he like, was visibly uncomfortable. He was. He was like because... looking around. He kept scratching his neck. You can yeah. see when he's fucking nervous. Like yeah. he has all these mannerisms and these tells. Like yeah. he's constantly looking over his shoulder. I'm like, this dude cannot relax for a second right now. Yeah. And I think he's already nervous that there's a camera crew following them. But mm. imagine if there wasn't. What would happen is that someone would confront him and tell mm-hmm. him to look after his wife or look after themselves because yeah. they just broke a, a cardinal rule 
right. in that type of society and or in that particular area or city. And it had been because his wife was stupid enough to insist mm-hmm. going to a male only cafe. And I get it. Like a lot of feminists would be like, well, why can't she sit there? You know, but then my argument to that is, well, when in Rome, you know, we do as the locals do. So if that's a male-only cafe, again, going back to the whole gentleman's club, if that's a gentleman-only club, you have no business going there. That's just how it is, you know? Not every place is the U.S. I think when people watch this, we're constantly comparing, like, westernized ideas to, like, some yeah. of these other cultures and, yeah. and we're watching it in this frame that we're always correct and that yeah. our ideas are always the right ideas. Yeah, that's imperialism right there. Mm-hmm. That's your imperialism thinking of like, oh, why can't we do that? We have that in the US. Why not here? It's because it's not the US. Right. <laughs> right. So again, going into the last scene where she was like, I want to meet your friend. And you can tell he's visibly like disturbed by that because mm-hmm. in their culture, the wives and the husband don't mix like in a Western culture where you can have double dates, you can have a group date, you can have group outing. No, they keep it separate. Mm-hmm. The husbands will meet amongst the husbands and the wives would just meet amongst the wives. It is the culture. It is conservative. I don't know why Nicole doesn't do that kind of research. Yeah. Like, again, this is the part where it's annoying because she's imposing. She's right. imposing her will onto a culture that is different from her and it's so american i'm sorry it's just so american like going right. to a foreign country and be like where's the mcdonald's why doesn't anyone speak english <laughs> because you're no longer in kansas anymore <laughs> like, right come on. and again with with the american expectation i think she thought she was going to sit down and as americans do it or as westerners do it we sit down and we have dinner. There's all this social energy and, and we're constantly communicating with each other. Yeah. And she probably came in with that expectation. And then when yeah. she finally sat down, even though she didn't speak the language, she was trying to talk. They were comfortable, but they were comfortable in not speaking to her, not being the first people to put their, I guess, their best foot forward and, you know, trying to greet and trying to socialize with her. Mm-hmm. And they were just having dinner and, you know, being on their phones. And I guess she thought that she, she was, thought it was a two-way two exchange, yeah. right? But they're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. oh, she asked their questions and then, okay, back to their, back to yeah. talking amongst themselves, back to being on their phones. And then she'd bring up another question and they'd be like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then back yeah. to their own thing again. And she's just like, oh, <laughs> I want to go yeah. home now. <laughs> they were being very cordial, but really right. in that society, it's more of like, if I'm I were... talking to your wife, bro. Yeah, I'm not talking directly <laughs> to your wife because it's rude. It's... Right. Like, it may imply that I have ulterior motives. So the men will go through their friends or the husband directly to ask questions. And yeah, it may seem to some of us as, oh, this is very rude. This is so backwards. But that's just how their culture is. Mm. And again, Nicole trying to move mountains here. like (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, like, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. And she has a choice. And maybe she already made the right choice. But mm-hmm. again, that TLC came calling and she was like, you know, let's give it a shot. Yeah. But the ball really is in her court. And I can see, I think she can see that this isn't a good fit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I'm sorry. Not sorry. 
<laughs> All right, let's tackle the Colombian couples, I guess. Let's start with Gabe and Isabel. It's nice to see that he's uh, trying to bring his business to Colombia, but then begs the question, why doesn't he just stay put in Miami and bring Isabel and her family over? Yeah. It's just like he's making it harder for himself and then, you know, coupled with the fact that he forgot his own stems or branding or something and then it's yeah. like unnecessary stress. And I, I get it. <laughs> he it's... missed the cutoff for 90 Day Fiance. So he's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> well, let me just go the well, other the way. the other way is still open. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Money's good anyway. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, right? It's yeah. just like, wait. Okay, like the business is in trouble. Like that's just it. If you're leaving a business behind, then what you have to do is just act as the CEO. You got to hire some managers. You got to hire some workers and get them to do that shit for yeah. you. But yeah. he's planning to do it all by himself. Well, why <laughs> Why? why niche, did you leave? Yeah. I think it's very niche, but maybe he doesn't trust anyone else to like continue on with his business. Right. I would at least engage your sister and your mom and get them to help out while you're you know, now right. that you mentioned this, Lon, I mean, the part where he missed the cutoff is starting to look like these folks signed on to have a 90-day vacation mm. only for them to go back to the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then they pretend that they're uprooting when actually they have no intention of staying. Yeah. Now I'm starting to wonder if this is the case with Gabe, though I think he's. it seems like he's going to be settling down we're going to see him try to build a business from yeah. the ground up now. Yeah. And I think it was really cool that Isabel is willing to to help out. Wow. and to, She quit her job for it. Yeah. And to help him build the business back and, and rebuild it over there in Colombia. Introduce him to people that do the textiles and the people that can actually Taylor. provide yeah. Yeah, all the stuff that he's going to need. Yeah. yeah. And then he forgets the stamps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. What's the point? I want to see how he problem solved that. I don't know if they did on that episode, but... He's in trouble. The way he said it was he would have to have it shipped. Yeah. And that process minimum is going to take, what, a month or a couple months or something like that. There's definitely some kind of time challenge or whatever. He's just going to have to wait it out. Either yeah. that or it's going to be expensive to fly back and probably do it customs. Himself, but... It's a customs thing, probably. Yeah. He might get stuck in customs and might be a case where he has to pay out yeah but i love how supportive isabel was she was oh, yeah. completely like she was patient calm, calm yeah. like not freaking out mm -hmm. when people tend to get in this mood where they're just kind of super grumpy their energy kind of rubs off mm -hmm. and sometimes you know it's not accepted well and some people mm -hmm. will be like will you fucking stop me yeah <laughs> you know and then it could have went like that but this yeah. was like uh, you know just be calm it's okay and she was able to de-escalate. Yep. She's his, you know, zen, right. I guess. So I'm glad that she was there to calm him down because he was totally sweating bullets there. He was like panicking. Yeah. But like you said, though, this raised an eyebrow for me. So she quit her job. Mm, she did. How long is that going to last? Right? You know? <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait. You had a good job. And she has kids to support. <laughs> yeah, wait, and somebody's coming over. Why did you quit? Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> I guess he must be supporting her or paying her a salary. Um, Hopefully, right? 
hopefully they have something saved some yeah. savings yeah yeah all right what's up with uh chris and her love for knives is that surprising to you uh kinda kinda really? yeah she calls herself a redneck didn't she I would have thought she was more the Second Amendment type. Oh. Yeah, guns and stuff. I don't want to come off sexist. She is a woman. I would think women want to keep their distance, and guns are better for that. Yeah. Like, a knife is such a close combat mm. kind of weapon. Yeah. And I would want to think that women would want to keep their attackers distance. or anything yeah. as far away as possible. Yep. Or maybe she just knows that when the situation calls for it, the person's already immediately in front of you yeah. and she has to pull a knife to mm -hmm. really like get into a fighting thing. So I was just surprised because a knife isn't usually, I don't know. You know what y'all, I don't know anything about combat like that. <laughs> These are all assumptions I'm making. I just didn't think women would get into knife fights like that. I always True. assumed women preferred pepper distance. Sprays. Yeah. Mace, pepper, pepper sprays, sprays gun. Yeah. yeah. A little gun or something. Yeah. But Again, like, dang, this girl is she really about that life? I was like, a knife, <laughs> and yeah. then she was like, she knew the different types of like swings and stabs. Yeah. <laughs> She's definitely a character. <laughs> when she was in the store demonstrating, I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> watch where you're swinging that thing, <laughs> dude. And she had an ice peak, <laughs> yeah, she had, a... <laughs> she had an ice that's gangster yo i know <laughs> that's when you know you're dealing with like some underground stuff, yeah right? yeah, you, yeah, like, yeah you know like how yeah like maybe i'm watching a lot of gangster mafia movies but you know oh, i yeah. think it's like the choice is... of like you know like some really brutal <laughs> murder <laughs> yeah that's straight up g right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> where do i start I feel for Jamie just because I would be freaked out. I don't think I can live with someone who wants to equip themselves like that. Mm -hmm. And Jamie was trying to keep an open mind too. She was saying like, well, I thought you're going to buy a pocket knife, not a fucking like dagger. I'm trying to kill a cow or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not something yeah, you want to like slaughter a cow yeah. with. <laughs> Granted, it's not machete, right? It was more of like a dagger. Like, I guess something you can stash into your tote bag or something, but... It was still pretty big. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty... Yeah. That's... It's like... I don't know it's if y'all know Crocodile Dundee when Crocodile yeah. Dundee pulled out his knife. Yeah. I was like, it was like one of those. Yeah. But yeah, I'm concerned for Jamie. So again, Jamie is coming into this thinking she knows who Chris is. Yeah. And layer by layer, we're starting to peel back. And Jamie's starting to realize she does not know at all who she's yeah. dating right now. And that's yeah. a scary kind of thing. Yeah. And I think... I might be wrong because uh, for some reason my recording usually cuts off before the preview ends. But it seems like Chris wants to go back. She said something about I might have to go. She she didn't say why though, and that really confused me. There was no context there. I'm sure they'll reveal it. Yeah. But it's like, wait, why do you have to go back? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what that's about. Maybe one of her kids is having issues, or maybe there's something going on with her mom. She's gonna slang those uh, pills. <laughs> <laughs> those men yeah she's trying to <laughs> smuggle those drugs over and, and sell it on ebay or something i don't know <laughs> yeah that's very concerning because for someone who claims to have narcolepsy and who's 
shown to be dependent. I, I don't want to say addicted, right? Uh, mm. Dependent on painkillers like that. And carrying knives. I, I carrying don't know. knives, yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be suspect here. So let's move on to a couple that instead of knives, she prefers Botanica. And <laughs> actually, I read online that she didn't really purchase a $200 worth of herbs. It's more like the translation was a bit fudged there. Mm-hmm. It was more like $47 worth of herbs from that shop. Mm, 47 yeah, that's yeah, it, completely different. <laughs> totally different. Because people were giving her, sh- yeah. Because people were giving her shit about spending two hundred plus on herbs, right? On potions and right. some concoction, and I think it was the wrong translations. I guess a Spanish speaker actually commented that it was two eighty six hundred pesos, Dominican pesos, and that translates to forty seven US dollars. So it wasn't so bad, and. I guess she has good intentions yeah. to, to spend that kind of money. I need I think... some of that special like mopping uh, solution. I need some prosperity <laughs> in my life right now. Right? <laughs> you know, I was like, anyone get the name of that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? And it, it's funny how she's able to find a store that sells all that. Mm. Yeah. I, I've not seen those type of stores around here. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And we're talking about Danielle and Johan. The biggest takeaway, obviously, from their scene is that Daniel got mad about Johan being dishonest. But I saw your tweet about this, Lon, and I agree that Johan does not need to disclose how he lost the baby with his ex because you don't have to go that deep, especially if it's in the past, and especially because abortion is a very sensitive and sometimes shameful topic for anyone to mm-hmm. to talk about. So I don't know what Danielle's problem is. I get it. She's been hurt before and she's probably trying to nitpick and trying to see all these flags, but I don't see anything wrong with that. So- right. The big counter argument that very small amount of people have commented, but the counter argument is that, oh, it was a lie. Mm. And it was a lie. And she harped on the lie part. Mm. But as you said, I don't think he needed to go into detail. Like he lost the baby. Mm. Okay. He believed it was irrelevant. It had nothing to do with her. This was from a previous relationship. Yep. So, okay. If the counter argument is that it was a lie, there are times where you drop it Mm -hmm. and just be like, okay, now you know that it was an abortion. Do we really got to keep hammering this? Do we really have to be on this subject and start making him feel like guilty about it? It's none of your fucking business. And that was the only argument that, oh, well, it's it's because she was lied to. It's because she was lied to. And then there's people that are like, it wasn't a lie, though, you know, and I'm with you. He doesn't have to go into detail about that. She lost the baby. That's it. And I think that's where he's trying to say, he's trying to tell her, I did tell you. And she's like, no, you said X, Y, Z, and that's not the same thing. And he's like, all right, well, if that's what I said, that's what I said. And okay, fucking drop it then. (laughs) Dead that conversation. I think my thing is, okay, fair point. We all know what it's like to be lied to. Fair point. If she feels like she was lied to, well, now she knows. And you can approach that subject with some sensitivity and some compassion, or you could even just let it slide. Because when you lied to him and he was like, what's this about not me coming to America? 
She fucking lied too. Yeah. And so she's going to make him feel guilty about this. And he addressed that with the right amount of energy. He was like, okay, I understand your point. Mm, Let's fucking roll with it. But no, she kept saying, you're a fucking liar. You lied, you lied, you lied, you lied. And it made me feel, and you know, some people disagreed, but it made me feel like she felt entitled to that information. Mm. Like you should have told me it was an abortion. Why the fuck does that matter to you? Yeah. <laughs> that is none of your fucking business. It's his, it's his past. You gotta right. respect him. Just let it go. Let it go. Yeah. yeah. And f- for her to keep re-traumatizing him mm. with just like, no, you should have said that. An abortion is different. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, <laughs> can you read the room? Do you see how uncomfortable he is? <laughs> yeah. Do you not understand that this is like not a topic? And her counter argument, well, I'm your fucking wife. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. And I also tweeted this. I'm not a fan of this belief that our spouses are entitled to every piece of information about our lives. Yeah. I get it. We want to be honest. And from this point on, from the moment I date you till whenever, I'll be honest with you. But there are things about my past where I'm, I'm a different person. I've changed. I've grown. I'm not about to tell you every single fucking skeleton in my closet. And like, I don't think people need to hear some of these things, especially when it has nothing to do with them. Like, is it really his business? And this was a lot of people like commented this. Is it his business to be telling her about somebody else's abortion? No. (laughs) Like, would she want him to be telling other people about her miscarriage? It has nothing Mm. to do with them. Yeah. There were so many things that she could have done differently. And I think that was the main thing that got everybody heated about that scene. Because, again, this whole counter argument about, well, I'm, he was dishonest and stuff like this. I don't even think it was dishonesty. I'm with you on that. I think he told her he didn't want to get into detail, whether it was he believed it was irrelevant or whether maybe t- he was also ashamed. I don't know how he was feeling. Or maybe it's just something he didn't want to talk about. There yeah. are men who really love the idea of their unborn child and they picture the future with them, even though they're not the ones having to deal with it, they still have to deal with that loss and they still feel like that child is theirs. You know, there's people that say, Oh, you aborted my child or they feel some way that that life belongs to them, you know, or, and maybe he felt that way too. And he, he doesn't know how to talk about it, especially with Danielle. And like, she just should have deaded it. Anyways, I've said enough. Yeah, <laughs> what do you want to say? You said the word entitled, and it made me think, do you think she feels entitled to this information because she feels like she has the upper hand in their relationship because she makes bank, or at least she's not making bank right now, but you know, she's the one with the money. And so she feels like, oh, I deserve to know everything because we're husband and wife. Yeah, someone someone made the argument that maybe that subject is also important to her because she can't have or she can't. I guess she miscarried Mm -hmm. and maybe like having someone that actually didn't miscarry and it was their choice maybe Mm -hmm. upset her. I don't know, but she maybe had felt some type of way because of her history with um, difficulties, you know, carrying a child. Yeah, And that could be it. I don't know. But she definitely came off very triggered yeah. about it. She kept hammering that it was a lie. But also there was a sense of like 
triggeredness, <laughs> right? That came with that. Yeah, I don't think it's right to make people rehash a past trauma, and mm. for her to be so insistent about it was, it was violating to me. There's just certain he, things you just need to. <laughs> yeah, I just need to chill about it. Yeah. I think, like you said, he responded well. He wasn't douchey about it, but he did like hold his ground, and he's like, "Look, it's what I can offer you. It's not a lie." Take it however you want. And she just fucking stomped off. And I'm like, man. Yeah. What'd you think about that argument they had, you know, when they were outside, when she kind of stormed off, but the part, you know, when she was crying and stuff. Do you remember when she said, you shut up when I'm talking to you? Yeah. <laughs> and then she was like, I, I shut up when you're talking to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, apparently that up. was also. Was that a, mistranslated? Yeah. That was also a bad translation, according to some of those native Spanish speakers. I mean, a lot of. Native Spanish speakers also commented that Danielle, even though she does try to speak the language of her husband, which is great, not many of the 90 Day Fiancé cast members do that necessarily, but she does her best. But I think her vocabulary is very middle school, according mm. to some people, like very basic. So but she basically was saying, look, I'm speaking and let me talk. I let yeah. you talk. Yeah, yeah. Let I me that talk was now or intention. something like that. But it was like, yeah. <laughs> she said it. She fudged it in the, yeah, in she the way she it. used the sentences and the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So people who understand Spanish found it weird <laughs> sounding maybe. But we get what she's trying to say. She's trying I don't to know if I'm he did. Yeah, I don't think he did. I think he took it offensively because yeah. he was just like, <laughs> he made this face like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Ugh. Oops. Oops. Uh, you live, you learn. <laughs> okay, so let's end this with Rishi and Jin. Oh, man. Ugh. What do you feel about that? Man, it's not cool what Rishi is doing. Not cool. Yes. However, here's the thing. Someone also pointed out that because Rishi came to the house, the family home with camera crew, Pretty sure the mom and the uncle knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we're all being duped here. Like, I feel like they know what's happening. It's just that they've been told like, hey, pretend to not know that this is his girlfriend. And, or maybe they genuinely don't know. They're just asked to play along. But the mom, I think, was very conscious about what she said. I was actually surprised the mom actually gave a very PC answer when Jen asked like, would you be open if, Rishi would to date someone outside the religion and the mom say, yeah, religion doesn't matter. And I'm like, hmm, really? <laughs> I, I'm not being skeptical for the sake of being skeptical, but I'm just saying like, maybe she's being conscious about what she's saying because there's a camera filming this entire scene. Right, right. So, yeah. I want to say the family's smarter than that. They probably know what's going on and this is the drama that they have to carry throughout the entire season. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt that even if they're not in on it, yeah, they're smarter than that. Yeah, like why the hell is there a camera crew here, and why is she over here? You never bring anybody home. The time you finally do, it's to just say, "Hey, I have a friend that wanted to meet y'all," and not just that. But then your friend is asking about how would you feel about if someone married him that was like this? <laughs> get, get the fuck out of here! Like they're not yeah. dumb. dumb they're not Nobody dumb. in that room is going, "Oh, nice, nice, nice way friend. to ask all yeah. these questions." <laughs> 
but we're still matchmaking him. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the sisters already suspect. Like the sister was like, uh, why is Jen the friend here in an Indian traditional clothes? Like Yeah. <laughs> it was like they couldn't have been more obvious. Yeah. And yet they're acting like, hey. <laughs> yeah, they're acting coy about it. And I'm like, Come guys, on. like people are smarter than that. <laughs> like us viewers are smarter than that. You cannot stage that and expect us to believe that, oh yeah, Rishi's family is in the dark. All right. You know, like they don't know what's going on. I bet you, even if they're not in on it, they probably suspect that Jen, and especially after Jen said, I moved to Jaipur. Yeah. Why would a random white woman, I mean, no offense, but you know, an American white woman moved to Jaipur. That's pretty right? random. Yeah, it's so random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not for Rishi. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I think what I said earlier, like if, say, we suspend our disbelief and we kind of bought this for what it is, then what Rishi is doing is not cool because Rishi's trying to make it seem like Jen is one of his friends. And that's why he asked Sanjit to come along. And if y'all watch Pillow Talk, you'll be interested to know what Sumit thinks about this whole thing because even he sees through it and he was explaining to Jenny what's happening and why. Like, he got into the mind of Rishi. He said, like, yeah, so Rishi brought Sanjit along so that nothing gets triggered. Because if something gets triggered, Rishi's mom and uncle are definitely marrying him off in an arranged marriage. Oh, yeah. So what Rishi? So I what when I watch it the second time because the first time I watched it I was kind of pissed at Rishi in a way, but then I I had to like kind of take a step back and be like, okay, this is his culture. He's trying to be respectful of his culture, even though he's you know pretty modern and you know he's educated and everything, but then he still want to respect his elders. So I give him that. So when I when I watched it the second time, I was like, okay, he's really strategizing this by introducing her slowly into the mix and like trying to get the family to warm up to her. And I get it. The time frame isn't the best. Like she only has what, 90 days to like marry him. But he's trying to like really introduce, trying to like really onboard her in the most smoothest unsuspicious way and so it starts with this being like hey well my friends came back now lives in Jaipur like what's yeah. next hey I'm interested in her I bet you the next few episodes is about him trying to convince his family like I'm actually interested in her and you guys promised that you will let me choose who I want to marry well here it is someone that I really want to marry and maybe he might skip the whole engagement thing maybe he's like I'm of that age where I can just marry someone and this is someone that I chose. I hope so. And now that I know, and I'll probably go watch Pillow Talk to kind of see, but I'm not as optimistic. I didn't give him that benefit of the doubt. And maybe I'll, I'm wrong. I hope you're right. For me, it comes off as a guy who had no intention. And he probably thought she was going to visit. He was going to get some booty. She would leave and he could go on with meet some of the people that he's being introduced to and, and then marry right. the traditional way yep. because there's just so much ground that he didn't already cover. Yep. And it's just like, you're doing the introductions now, but you could have done that earlier. Absolutely. Even if you weren't like entertaining any marriages at the time or whatever, you still could have said, well, I'm kind of dating somebody. And there's just other things you could have already said 
he could have dropped hints for yeah. sure. Yeah. Remember when his friend said something and I don't know just how uncomfortable Richie looked. He's like kind of smiling and looking off to the side, almost as if like he reminded me of somebody that was like somehow getting thrown under the bus. He gave me that kind of feeling. And I was like, why is he acting like this? He did panic on one of those questions that she asked the mom. Mm. And because that was very telling. And I thought that was a shot across the bow from her where she's like, okay, now I really got to feel where you guys stand with this. And she asked that question. I forgot what it was exactly, but the camera panned to him and you can tell that he was in that panic mode of like, he was looking side to side and be like, oh shit. Yeah. You know? She was calling him out on certain lies. Yes. She called them lies. Yeah. Um, lie by omission. Yeah. yeah. Just things that he wasn't telling her or things that he told her that were, you know, actually not correct in the way he made it out to be like, oh, wait, they've already been looking for this long, but we were already a couple for this long. This long. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like they started two years ago, but we were engaged. Yeah. It's so it's not adding up. Yeah. And that's why for me, like I got an eyebrow raised, like, yeah. wait a minute. Like, did you even have any intention of, of telling your family about her at all mm -hmm. like did you even have any intention of marrying her at all yeah it sounds like a guy who's just kind of like spitting game and telling her what she wants to hear and then you know she comes over you know he enjoys whatever a week with her or whatever have you sends her off and then it's back to normal life for him it just comes off that way i might be wrong i hope for jen's sake that he is being for real i don't know can though. i play devil's advocate here but before i do that i do want to say that your theory is still on the table this guy could easily turn around and be like yep sorry i cannot marry you family won't allow it right then we know that his original intention was to have that sneaky link or like the, the side <laughs> chick link, right, right. <laughs> okay so you know me playing devil's advocate here is like i'm just trying to put myself in his state of mind being this person that respects the culture, I guess, or respect his elders. What if he's been stalling because he's not sure of her commitment? And he's mm. and, and as you know, they were separated because of the pandemic. Like they can go to each other. She cannot go to India for two years. And I guess maybe he doesn't have enough money or he cannot go to the US. So they cannot meet. So what if he had been stalling because he doesn't know how serious she's gonna take it? And he's waiting for her to actually move to India to show him that okay now it's on now it's really on and, and then, then she finally moved and he's like oh uh, shit. yeah now he's like scrambling to be like <laughs> to, make, to materialize yeah. this relationship okay. into a reality to his family so I can see that he may have been procrastinating on the relationship and sitting on it he should have been informing Jen though about that that's the part where to I kind I of think build the trust cool. there. Yeah, I think kind of build not, some sort of trust there. It's not cool that he's been holding that information to his chest and not yeah. being very forthcoming with her. That's the part where I think that it's just not makes cool. him look bad. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Because now when I watch his scenes, I'm like turning to my husband and be like, damn, he's so fucking wishy washy. Like, yeah. this guy, like, seriously, I have no patience for this. But then when you watch it again, you're like, I guess maybe I'm a little bit more calm or like I'm watching it with a different lens. I'm like, okay, I guess I can see why. Like you can tell when he really panics, he's pa he's panicking because yeah. he's like <laughs> genuinely afraid. 
Yeah. So I'm like, you cannot act that, like, unless mm. he's a professionally trained actor. But I like to think that he's actually genuinely panicking because his family's like, oh no, they're definitely going to sell me out to like the first proposal that they get, you know? Yeah. So I think, I want to say he's a smart guy, you know? Like, I want to give him more credit. He sees the sacrifice that Jen makes. And yeah, maybe right now he's truly scrambling to make things work. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I so see that. we have many episodes coming up. So I just want to see where this goes. And yeah, maybe we'll see his true colors or maybe we'll see this pan out, you know? <laughs> and on that note, Lon, let's hear your WTF moment. This is an obvious one for me. What the fuck? Like Danielle blowing the quote unquote lie mm. um, and making it something bigger than it needed to be. I understand the argument that, well, I mean, he lied. Fair point. If that's the hill you're going to die on, that he lied. I get it. A lie is a lie. If mm. I was lied to and people were like, if I felt like I was lied to, I would also kind of react. I get that. But there's levels to this. There's nuance to this. There's mm. there's ways to approach this certain yeah. subjects like this, you know, require us to like take into consideration the context of what was happening, the complexity of the issue and some sensitivity like, OK, well, if you lied to me, there must have been a reason. And <laughs> and it, there doesn't even need to be a reason. The word abortion itself should be enough. And she really sh shouldn't have went at him the way she did. And it's easy for me to make that call the way people approach things. I get it. We're all different. So who am I to pass that judgment to say she should have done this? Like, but I just feel <laughs> it could have been handled a lot better. So for me, WTF moment. What yeah. about you? <laughs> My WTF moment is when Chris bought the knife that killed <laughs> kill a cow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First of all, there's no cows roaming around in Colombia. So I don't know why she needs that. But also, like you said, Lon, you made a really valid point where by the time a woman is attacked, you want that distance. Unless you're provoking someone with a knife, like you're the attacker, then that's a different story. Then maybe, yeah, that's why you keep a knife. But if you're defending yourself, I don't know if a knife would punt here, but you cut it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a hobby to her rather than an act of self-defense. And yeah. She said she was trained, though. <laughs> how to use right, it in Krav Maga I don't know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what she is said, she trained ah, in <laughs> <yeah>. ah. <laughs> um, okay but I think if anything you can tell from Jamie's reaction that it scares mm. her more than her feeling protected yeah because being a local she knows how safe or how unsafe her country is I think in a lot of cities and a lot of countries you avoid the danger that's how a lot of women go about it. You avoid danger rather than you prepare for danger. And yeah, I guess if you do prepare for danger, then you want that distance. You either run away, you either shout. I think, you know, folks who have gone through self-defense classes, the first thing they tell you is to run away. You don't mm -hmm. want to engage. If you have the chance to run from the scene, you do. If you're being attacked, then they tell you to shout so that you get attention from passerbys or like from wherever right but then if you're really truly attacked someone actually engage you in a fight then maybe it makes sense to have a knife but again if 
if you're facing someone with a gun, obviously, you can bring a knife to a gunfight. A gunfight, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe in her mind, she's playing up the whole stereotype about Colombia being a you know a cartel place and everything. But from what we've seen so far, it's um, it's relatively safe. And um, just to give you a comparison, we've seen a lot of scenes of you know folks being filmed in Colombia. No one got robbed. Mm. Compare that to a Bay Area reporter who was reporting in one of the Embarcaderos and she got robbed at gunpoint in live TV. Yes. That just tells you how unsafe California can be. So yeah. I'm just saying, like, so far the record speaks for itself and Colombia has been okay. Yeah. I get it, it's known for certain vices, but you can avoid that. You know, like, don't take the subway at night. Same thing in the Bay Area. You don't take BART at night. Right. <laughs> As a woman. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I would say that's a WTF moment. Yeah, there's lots of levels to why that could totally be WTF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if she does know how to use it. That makes it even more dangerous. You know, like, and yeah, has she actually, has she actually used the knife like that before to like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I would be very scared in mm -hmm. if I were to be in Jamie's shoes because, yeah, this woman is wild. Mm. You know, narcolepsy, car crashes, the works. Right. <laughs> and now knives. Nice collection, including an ice beak. So, anyway, we've come to the end of our coverage of The Other Way Season 4. Lon, anything you want to share with our listeners before we close out? The Last of Us season finale next week. Really oh, looking no. forward to that. Not looking forward to the season ending. But also, I'm obsessed mm -hmm. with um, Drive to Survive. It really oh. has made a Formula One fan out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad because... Thanks for that recommendation, Nadia. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I feel like Formula One is packed with drama behind the scenes. Uh, if you watch the actual race on ESPN, for example you may not be able to suss out the drama or what the drivers are thinking or what the, you know, the constructors and the engineers are thinking. But then when you watch the Netflix documentary on it, you get a better understanding and maybe appreciation of what actually goes on behind the scenes. Right. And there's already five seasons of Drive to Survive. And Lan, maybe real quick, like share what you really like about the series. If there's any highlights or any moments for folks to look out for. Yeah. So for those not familiar, it's about F1 racing, Formula One. And there are teams, some of the, some of the names you'll recognize, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Red Bull, and um, and then lesser lesser known teams or teams that used to be higher visibility, but have since lost ground since their glory days so you see the struggles of from all sides the struggles of trying to remain the top team the struggles of trying to remain the top driver or trying to become the top driver and just like with any sport there's a lot more going on than what you see being played out during the game during the actual sport and i would say a lot of the sport happens outside of the race it happens before that, just like basketball, everyone's practicing and mm. you have to assemble the team. In Formula One, the race begins at the factory when people are 
creating the car itself. Like you can have the best driver in the world, but if the car sucks, if you don't have a good car, the driver won't be able to live up to their potential. And then on the other end of that, it's the driver's job to squeeze the most potential out of the car. So like getting the car right is just as important as getting the right driver for it. Um, and not just that, but the pit crews and the team principals, there's more to a race than just the driver. The driver will drive as best as they can, but it's the pit crews who actually supply the tires and make sure everything is fixed and working correctly for them to go back out and continue the race. Mm -hmm. The principals are there as the driver drives, they navigate the course and tell them, okay, here's where you need to push. Here's where you need to change gears. And so-and-so is a second behind you or ahead of you. And there's this constant communication and there's so much more teamwork. For me, as somebody who just kind of would watch a race here and there, I, I always just thought, oh, the driver is getting into a car and then they're giving their best and whoever comes out on top. But it really is more integrated. It really is more of a team sport. The driver gets most of the glory. But what I like about this documentary is it really shows that everyone deserves the glory. Everyone, down to the engineers, down to the people putting the tires on. It's such a team effort. And the frustration when a driver loses because it's something that's not in their control, the weight really does go, well, the team fucked up. The car is shit, you know, or the strategy, the, the team principal's strategy. Why didn't he tell him to go get new tires? Like, why did he tell him to continue running the course? You know, he thought it was the right move to finish the race on older tires to not lose position. These little minute details you don't get to see. But Netflix's documentary brings this stuff out and it's so entertaining. I don't know if I'm giving it justice talking about it, but as soon as I watched the first episode, I was hooked. I binged it. I watched season one in one sitting. And then since then, I've just been going through all the seasons. I'm on the current season right now and it's just, it's completely, it's, it's so exciting. And, you know, it's definitely worth your time if you're not currently watching it. I must add to Long that I think we watched it in the U.S., through ESPN, which actually bought the broadcast rights from Sky Sports. So if you're in Europe or in UK, you get like the full coverage and maybe there are more information that flows through. But mm. through ESPN, you get very limited, I want to say limited coverage because I think you don't get to watch the post-race interviews at times. I don't want to say all the time, but at times they don't show what the drivers think about their race. It just stops at the podium celebration and then they cut. Like ESPN would cut to the next programming and then you don't get to see what actually happens after that. And I think in that case, Netflix does a good job of kind of continuing that story but in a very dramatized fashion. But you're right. This whole F1 thing is not just about the fastest car or the, the best driver. It is a holistic approach to a sport where it starts from the bottom, like Lon said, from the factory to the engineers, to strategy, everything. Right. And it takes skills not just to maneuver and drive, but also to understand what you're driving with. An F1 driver doesn't just get into a car and be like, yeah, I'm turning left. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it's like they're controlling a lot of things. 
This steering wheel looks like a video game controller, y'all. It has all kinds of fucking different buttons. There's a display on it. It tells them weather conditions. It tells them when there's flags. Each button <laughs> controls different parts of the car. You know, DRS, which you'll learn about. And yep. it switches modes. <laughs> yep. And it probably paddle shifts. Like, there's all kinds of different shits on this controller. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, that's not a steering wheel. That's a fucking controller. Like, yeah. it really is. It's a controller. It, it just it, happens to be a, a steering wheel at the same time. But And crazy. I'm sure it comes with, like, an, I don't know, 100-page manual that they yeah. have to study. And so that's the other thing that I appreciate about F1 racing is that uh, if you notice also, Lon, every year, the FIA, which is a governing body for Formula One, changes the rule. Mm. So <laughs> they have budget caps to make sure that no one spends more than others. They have rules where this is how you can modify the car so that everyone is equal. They make up those rules in a way where it doesn't really limit the creativity on what you can do with the car but try to keep it as competitive as possible without making it so cookie cutter. But more or less, when we all as viewers see it for naked eyes, you'll be like, yeah, they all look the same. If you examine closer, like some of the cars are designed differently. It's, right. But it's all within limits because again, the whole point of the FIA is to make sure no one is overly competitive or there's no one having too much leverage because they have more money. And every year, there's always some new rule that you introduce. So it gets very interesting, you know, every year. It's just something new to learn. So the All other right. thing that I don't know if you know this too, Lon, is that every driver gets a personal assistant, but that personal assistant is like a motivational coach slash personal trainer slash they're everything. I've seen that, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Lewis, I think... I could be wrong, so I might eat crow here again, but Lewis is the only one with a female PA. Really? Yeah, because everyone, cool. everyone has a... Well, maybe I'm wrong because usually when you see a female following a driver, it's the PR person. So when they go for those interviews, the PR that represents the company, yeah. <laughs> the constructor, is there like... They're literally there like, you better not fuck this. You know, right. Well. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to stereotype. It's usually a female. But they're not their assistant. Their personal assistant is someone that actually trains with them during the off-season. And like I think you saw with Daniel Ricardo, his personal assistant goes, I don't know, base jumping with him or goes surfing with him. That person is paid by the constructor to keep the driver healthy and be his nutritionist, be his motivator. And Lewis has a female. It's the same person that's been. What a cool job that would be. That is <laughs> a very so cool job. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Because that person kind of keeps you in check in a way, yeah. right? Like if you flare up because of a bad call, that person is there to be like, okay, look, right. Remember who you are <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Like, oh, when you need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. When you, when, or when someone has a moment of weakness, like, remember one ice cream per night. Like, let's yeah. not go crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I would also encourage you to check out Lewis Hamilton's interview with David Letterman because something that not many people appreciate about F1 drivers is they're so skilled that they're actually afraid of the rest of us. And it's because <laughs> what I'm trying to say is they know how to drive. The rest of us are amateurs compared to them. Right, right, so, right. So when David Letterman asked 
Lewis, like, do you speed? And um, you guys can Google this. Lewis Hamilton uh, was caught speeding. Obviously, he, he has a lot of fast cars. He speeds, you know, that, let's not be surprised here. But he does say that when he's on the road, he follows the rules because you don't know what driver can fuck up your day on the road. Right. And, he, and he's an F1 driver. He's the most technical among all of us on the road. But he's afraid of people that he, that's why he doesn't drive fast or at least that's what he said and then i think if you saw when i think season four or three lon carlos Sainz, he drives a volkswagen yeah with his dad is that a golf yeah a golf people ask uh, me what do you drive yeah, yeah he's like people golf. ask me what i'm driving <laughs> gti yeah <laughs> like he does a golf right I like that part of like you see the uh, the personal aspect of their life and you like you kind of wonder like huh I wonder if uh they drive a Ferrari like they drive a Ferrari at work why why can't they drive a Ferrari personal life nope yeah. they're trying to live man they're trying to stay safe <laughs> while y'all trying to like race with your Priuses and all right <laughs> so. so yeah anyway I digress Lon any last words before we close this off. Happy Women's History Month, y'all. Be safe out there. Yeah. I think March 8th is International Women's Day. So uh, and we're, we record on Tuesdays. Yes. And thank you for your support. Thank you for indulging us on the polls that we put up on Spotify. And uh, Lon, just as a reminder, Gabe and Isabel are still people's favorites oh, <laughs> on this <okay>. season. <laughs> so, yeah, we're all aligned, I guess. They are our favorites too. And on that note, be nice to one another and uh, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, WTFers. If you love the podcast, give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is appreciated and really helps us out. You can also find us under listener support on anchor.fm and donate for as low as 99 cents or on Patreon at WTF Extra. You can engage with us on email, Twitter, and Instagram at 90 Day Fiance WTF. We especially would like to hear what your WTF moments are each episode. We might even shout you out. Don't forget to like, share, and follow the podcast.